Um, This morning's reading is taken from Acts chapter 1, verses 1 to 8. And the title of the reading is Jesus Taken Up into Heaven. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, whilst he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water... But in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to all the ends of the earth carry on now with something that maybe is a bit more mundane it's actually some information that I'm giving you about this organisation that Barbara and uh, Richard and myself work with, we say we work with because WEC does not employ us we don't work for WEC, we work for Jesus we're a free we have a free association with WEC as a group of people who believe that the Lord has called them into fellowship with others who really feel called by the Lord into cross-cultural mission. And you might think, well, how am I called into cross-cultural mission? I live in Burnley. I've only spent short times abroad. I've not been like Barbara, gone to Africa. But the Lord has put a real desire in my heart to see more and more people in ordinary churches here in Britain, and in our case in the northwest of England and North Wales, understanding what God's heart for mission really is. And in that way, I'm working on behalf of the kingdom for a cross-cultural mission, as, well, as much as anybody in Africa or India or everywhere. Barbara is as much a missionary working for cross-cultural mission here in Britain as she was in Africa. So we want you to understand that from the beginning. Am I going to tell you a little bit about WEC International? Can we go back again, please, to the first slide? We have a picture on the first slide of uh, the headquarters of our mission. Here it is, in all its glory. (laughs) The Lord really blessed us in being able to buy this mansion, as it is, in Gerrard's Cross, one of the most wealthy areas of Britain. Um, In the 1970s, was it? Beginning of the 1970s or 1960s. Um, Which is a tremendous asset and blessing to us. It's a huge house. We can run all sorts of things there. Returning missionaries can stay there. About 60 or so people live there. And it's surrounded by beautiful grounds. It is a wonderful blessing and asset from the Lord. Well, what motivates then? (laughs) All these people, 1,800 active workers, it's 50 nations and so forth, you can, you can see it. Not the prospect of living at Bullstrode, I don't think. 
What motivates them? Working multicultural teams, just to explain that to you. Uh, all of WEC is organised around teams. And uh, as the team here in Britain, we're all uh, white British people. But if you worked in a WEC field abroad, you might be working with a multitude of nations. You might be working with Koreans and Africans. You might be working with people from New Zealand and Australia and Britain and America. In fact, all countries around, multicultural teams. And what we're trying to do is to reach unreached peoples. Now that may be a phrase you've not heard before, unreached peoples. It doesn't mean they're unevangelized. There are people in our own country who are unevangelized. They haven't heard the gospel. But that doesn't mean they've not opportunity to. There's nobody in our country who doesn't have some opportunity to hear the gospel. But if you went to um, Mauritania, for instance, There is no opportunity at all that you could ever hear the gospel because there's no church. There are very, very few Christians. But there's people who live there. Are they not people who the Lord wants to reach? So he wants to call people to go there and to tell those who have no chance at all, the unreached, about him. So what motivates us? Or what motivates us is our founder. Or what motivates us is what our founder said. I'm waiting for this to move on, please. (laughs) Our motivation then. This is just a picture of our founder. A passion for Jesus and a heart for the lost. And you've got that little statement that we've got on the banner there. That's just one of his pithy sayings. (laughs) One that is pretty well known, really. If Jesus Christ died for me, What sacrifice is too great for me to make for him? And it's that element of sacrifice that that is there within us as a a mission. Thank you. So what are the distinctives? Every mission has its distinctives. And these are our distinctives that we do seek to focus primarily on the unreached. These people who have no opportunity whatsoever of hearing the gospel. And most of them are primarily in that belt that's indicated on the slide. There's no viable church there. There's no church that can stand. In some places, there's no church at all where there are Christians. Thank you. But also, a fresh emphasis now upon seeking to plant new churches where there is no church, to plant churches That doesn't mean that we're going in and we're saying, be a church like we are. Be a church like the West. Sing our songs. Be how we are. We want to plant churches that are not dependent on expatriates. We want to have leaders from the uh, peoples themselves. We want the church to be led in a way that is culturally appropriate. In other words, a church that's truly Indigenous, a church that is springing from the people. So in some places that we have visited, actually, the people, the, the Westerners, cannot associate with the new Christians. This was an, in, in an area on the Tibetan plateau. The church could not, the church had to function entirely on its own because it was too risky for any Westerner to be seen. With these people. So that somebody might be led to the Lord and might be nurtured 
but no way can Westerners attend the church. So a church that's truly indigenous and then to be put into the church right from the start, which is something that, to be honest, isn't here in our Western churches. And that is to be a multiplying church. That the whole reason for the church is mission. The whole reason for the church is to get out and tell other people. It's not for us. Whereas here in the West, to be honest, every church I've been to has been been primarily for me. (laughs) It's been a church that has been uh, looking after my children. It's been a church who's been giving me good teaching. It's been a church where I've enjoyed the worship. Church isn't for that. The church is to reach the unreached whether they're unevangelized or unreached. And that's the sort of church that we want to set up, a church that is multiplying. So, what is the WEC vision statement? And this is very much on our heart as a team that works uh, in the northwest of England, working together with the UK church. So it's not that we do this separately, working together with the UK church and the Worldwide Fellowship of WEC to see Christ known, loved and worshipped by the remaining unevangelized peoples of the world. And if you want to know how many of them there are, there are between 650 and 699 completely unreached tribes throughout the world today. That's not countries or nations, that's ethnic groups. Ethnic groups, people who have their own distinct culture, language who have never heard of Jesus and have no opportunity unless somebody tells them those are the people we're wanting to reach. Well now I'm going to just um, talk to you about some of the different missionaries, some of the different ministries of WEC. WEC is a large mission. We have lots of different branches and lots of different ministries and arms. You might have heard of Bethel. Bethel is a worldwide ministry seeking to um, see drug addicts and other people in all forms of addiction delivered and won for Jesus. And not only see them delivered and won for Jesus, but setting up growing churches. So the church in Madrid, which is where Betel first started in Spain, the, the Betel church in Madrid is the biggest church in Spain, I think, is that right? The biggest church in Spain is the Bethel Church. And that's what Bethel seeks to do. And it's now all over the world. There are three Bethel centres at the moment in Britain. Um, one in Watford, one in Nottingham, and one in, I've forgotten. One in Derby, one in Birmingham. Oh, four. Derby and Birmingham too, yeah. And we're very much praying, we have been praying, that um, there might be a Bethel centre between Manchester and Liverpool where drug addicts from this area can be sent. So very needy ministry. Um, the next ministry we're just highlighting to you is something called Rainbows of Hope. That works with um, children in crisis in all sorts of different forms according to the country. Sometimes it's street children. Sometimes it's working with families. Sometimes it's working with orphanages. Sometimes it's working with Sunday schools and churches. But all forms of children in crisis, rainbows of hope. Another ministry of work that you may have heard of, particularly this area, there's some strong um, supporting churches in this area for WEC camps. Church in Nelson has for many years uh, sent many people. And we went to a church in Poynton in uh, 
Hazelgrove Stockport a few years ago and they'd had a baptiz- series of baptisms of their young people and a WEC supporter in that church said I was really embarrassed nearly all of them had as their testimony I came to know the Lord at WEC camp <laughs> so WEC camps um, if you want any more information about that come and ask us but there's camps for younger children camps for teenagers uh, I think um, this year down near Lyme Regis in uh, Dorset oh sorry I've got the wrong one Cromer in, in the uh, northeast. And lastly, just one of a multitude of WEC ministries is this one, Soon Ministries. Again, that you might have heard of, because I think there's anybody in this church who does it. Certainly, number of people. This is a ministry that you can, you can um, do in your own home. It's a sending out of an English language or sometimes another foreign language sheet in easy English, if it's in English, um, to different places in the world it's full of testimonies of the Lord if people reply they can be sent Bible studies and I think there's 6 million of these sent out every quarter and you can be involved in that ministry in your, in your home if you're thinking well I can't go abroad or I can't pray though I think all of us could pray uh, or I haven't got a ministry of standing up and telling people you can do a ministry of putting things in envelopes which is what soon is all about. Come and look at the stand that we've got out there and you'll find out about soon ministries. You would also find out about this, which is a holiday or a weekend, holiday is giving it too big a word, a weekend that we're running in Wales at a place called Kethan Lee that some of you may have heard of. It's basically a fixed caravan site which helps us to keep the cost down to £75. But you've got the privilege there of meeting Patrick Johnston. Some of you may have heard of Patrick Johnston. He wrote a very influential mission book called Operation World. Operation World is coming out in a new edition next year. If you want to find out about Patrick's research, particularly into this century, we've entitled this weekend, Your Kingdom Come in the 21st Century? Question mark. Because Patrick says... In one of his latest books, he believes that the condition for Jesus to return, I hope you know what that condition is, because it's our our responsibility, the condition for Jesus to return is that every nation, tribe and tongue in the world should know about Jesus and should have somebody in that nation who, who knows and loves him. Patrick believes that that could happen in the life of this generation. Now, maybe he means not my generation, because I'm knocking on a bit, (laughs) but of some of the younger ones amongst us. Do you want to find out more about that? The exciting prospect of how all nations could hear about Jesus in this century. Well, the weekend, Kevin Lee weekend, it's the second, it's the 4th to 6th of September this year. And again, we've got leaflets on the table if you're interested in that. Now I hand over to Richard. Thank you. I'm using the tie mic. Okay, that's all right. I tend to wander around a bit. Okay. I want to go on to the next uh, slide, if, if I can, please, because this tells you about our, our journey into WEC. It's taken a long time to get here. Okay. So uh, I want to start off in the 1990s. Just press, just press the mouse once. Okay. Is it not turned on? I thought I turned it on. It says on here. Still not on? Pointing down rather than up. Sorry about that. 
Oh, put it on my tie. I want to stick my tie up. Can you hear me now? No? Well, it says on on here. I've got a little red light. Modern technology, isn't it wonderful? Uh, yeah, it's uh, sure on. We're on, man. Thank you. Just a- anyway, uh, I've got a loud voice. All right, so can you all hear me? 1990s, I went out with another chap called Arnott Bridges to Portugal, uh, 1995-1996, and was showing the Jesus film in northern Portugal, and it was there that I first realised how lost the lost really are. Uh, we, we showed the Jesus film in a, in a town to the east of Portugal, and this lady came, this lady, uh, came to us afterwards, and, and she was in her 70s, I should think, and she said, why has nobody ever told me before that Jesus died for my sin? And she began to church all her life. And I began to realise how lost the lost are. Thank you. And then we sent a couple from our church to Andover to help to run a drug rehabilitation centre for two or three years. And when they came back, they found it impossible to adjust back into the life of the church. And I began to learn that when missionaries come back, even if it's only been for a fairly short time, they find it more difficult coming back than they did going in the first place. So Barbara, when she came back from Cote d'Ivoire, would have found it, well, in fact, this last time when you went, you found it more difficult coming back than actually going. So I began to learn about re-entry shock. Thank you. And then we had some missionaries stopping with us in Oswald Twistle from WEC who were sharing with us how how difficult they found it because their church were not really backing them in what they were doing. And I began to discover uh, from a conference we went to Cliff College as well that churches in this country are not very good at supporting the missionaries that they've sent overseas or cross-culturally. Thank you. All these lessons are beginning to pile up. And then we went to, a, to Bortry Hall to a day's seminar and uh, the day's seminar was on serving ascendants, based on a book by a man called Neil Parolo. And this fantastic seminar going all the way through scriptures, saying that God's vision, God's vision is for the whole world. It's not just for none. Or Oswald Twistle, as it was, as far as I was concerned. My whole focus was on Oswald Twistle, and, uh, and the problems of Oswald Twistle, and the church programs that we had in Oswald Twistle. And God said, my vision is much bigger than that. My vision is for the whole world. We began to pick that up as we went to this day. Thank you. This is all piling up, you see. God is beginning to challenge me and stir me up. And then I began to discover that there's a role for absolutely everybody in the church to play. So this book by Neil Parolo called Serving Ascendants, it says that for every one person who is sent out cross-culturally, you need at least nine people as backup team here at home to support them, to pray for them, to give, to send emails, to ring them up, to send presents, to visit, to do all kinds of things. So for everybody who's gone out on the mission field, you need at least nine people here. This is something else I began to discover. So we sent a family out to India in 2002 to teach at Hebron uh, Christian School. And uh, this 
And this family, when we sent them out, the whole church were behind us. This is what we were looking for. But the whole church in Oswaldism should be behind them, and they still are at Hebron School, and the church is still fully supporting them. This is what we're after. Everybody in the church involved in caring for mission and praying for unreached peoples. Thank you. So we move on to the unreached people groups, which Lenora has already explained. Beginning to, you, got a, you lift off a digit. I think you said 650? 6,300. It's about 6,000 uh, unreached people groups at the moment. If you want to find out more, there is a website you can go on the joshuaproject.net. Thank you. And then we discovered how important worship is. And uh, I'll say a little bit more about that in a moment. I want to go through a few scriptures for you. Okay, so we go on to the next slide. This is where it all begins. Genesis chapter 12. This is, this is God's vision for his people in the world. And the Lord said to Abraham, I will make you into a great nation. And I will bless you. And then a bit later on, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. All of them. Not some, all of them. And the next one, please. This is what Amanda read to us earlier on. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us. Why? Why does God want to bless us? Not so that we might have a blesser and have a wonderful time and then go home for our, our Sunday lunch, you know, feeling good. That is not the reason. The reason is that his ways may be known upon earth. They might find out about Jesus. They might find out about God. They might find out about his salvation. That his salvation should be known among all nations. Thank you. Isaiah 49 verse 6. This is, this is the Father either speaking to the Son, to Jesus, or it's speaking to Israel, or his servant, however you want to interpret it. All are true. It is too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. And when you see the word Gentiles in the scripture or when you see the word nation, really what it's talking about are ethnic groups. The Greek word in the New Testament is ethne, from which we get our word ethnic. So whenever you see the word Gentile or nation, particularly in the New Testament, God is talking about ethnic groups, different groups of people. There are 70 unreached people groups within the country of Afghanistan. 70. That means that in those unreached people groups there is no church, or in fact there's no church in Afghanistan at all, apart from uh, for, uh, expatriates. No church in Afghanistan, there's no church in any of those people groups, neither is there any Christian who come from those particular cultures speaking those particular languages. We went to Senegal last year and there are 52 unreached people groups in Senegal. But God is wanting them all to know about his salvation. And then the next one, please. Thank you. And this is what Jesus said, is what Lenora was quoting earlier on. This gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. Everybody has to hear about Jesus first. Every people group has to know about Jesus first. 
before he will come back. He doesn't want anybody to miss out. And then the, the next one, thank you. Because this is God's vision. This is where it's all heading to. That in heaven, there should be people from every, get it right, nation, tribe, people and language, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb, giving God worship. This is the aim. The aim is not just that people might be saved, but that people might come into a place of worship. And they might love Jesus, and they might want to fall down before him and worship him. This is the whole object. Can we have the next slide, please? John Piper wrote a book, Let the Nations Be Glad, and this is what he says at the beginning of it. Missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. Mission exists because worship doesn't. And the devil, the thing that the devil will do is try to undermine worship all the time. This is what he's been trying to do from the very beginning. He tries to undermine our worship. And when our worship is in spirit and in truth and from our hearts, then we get nearer to God. In fact, we actually, that what, it's that that makes us like God. The more we worship the Lord, the more we contemplate Him and worship Him, the more like Him we become. And God's plan is that there should be people from every ethnic group who are actually becoming more like Jesus. This is his intention. So he's able to populate the whole universe with people who are like Jesus. But he wants them to hear about him first. And there are still over 6,000 people groups who have never ever heard about him. So while there is no worship of Jesus, in those people groups, mission has to exist. But uh, when Lenora mentioned the Tibetan Plateau, so when we were on the Tibetan Plateau in, in 2006, we, we watched church planting in operation, and we were amazed. We met these three Tibetan girls who had become Christians, and they were being discipled by the Western missionaries during the week, but they ran their own church on Sundays. The church was entirely Tibetan, using Tibetan music, Tibetan language, and so on. The Westerners had absolutely nothing to do with how the church grew and developed. They just disciplined the leaders. And we, we had a meal with these three Tibetan girls in this flat, in a very dreary Chinese block of flats. And, uh, and then afterwards, they started to pray, and they started to worship. And I don't think Lenore and I have ever experienced the presence of the Lord so powerfully as when those three girls started to worship in their own language. We, we didn't understand a word of it, but that made absolutely no difference. Because the presence of God came down into that room. And, and we, it was totally awesome. And it was a whole oasis of beauty in a very drab place. We've seen it in operation. And when we've seen what God is after, this is what God is after. Because in doing so, people become more like Him. They become more like the Son. And as they become more like Jesus, some other people are drawn towards Him. So what Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. We're not glorify you, but glorify God and bring glory to God. This is all of As we become more like Jesus, then other people are drawn towards Him, not towards us. 
really important. This is what God is after. And he's after that in every people group across the world. Thank you. Now, Lenora mentioned Patrick Johnson. He wrote this book, The Church is Bigger Than You Think. So let's just go through this sort of quotation. Although many peoples are still unreached, the number is only a fraction of that 100 years ago. The goal is attainable in our generation. If we mobilize prayer and effort and work together to disciple the remaining least reached peoples. But he doesn't just say it once. Next slide, please. Thank you. My absolute conviction is that we are in the finishing straight of the marathon for world evangelization. We have a finishable task. Let us then aim to be the generation that finishes it. Jesus is coming back, but only when the task is complete. And there's something that all of you can do. Praying is the most important thing that you can do. I'm going to bring to you three pictures of three unreached people groups. And if you can just latch on, latch on them. I can't go into all the stories of them because we don't have time. But what I want to do is, if you can latch on to an unreached people group, you don't have to choose one of these three, you can go to the Joshua Project website and you can pick pick up your own and pray. Just pray for that unreached people group that somehow they were here to the news of Jesus Christ. I'm just going to tell you one story, but we'll go on to the next slide first. Now, Lenora prays for these, this people group. 1.75 million of them in West Africa, and there's between 40 and 70 Christians only. They need to hear more about Jesus. There are all kinds of different dialects within the Saninki. And they need to hear more about Jesus. So there are dialects where there are towns and villages where the gospel has never been heard. And God is longing for the Next one, please. This is an amazing story. I'm just going to share this story with you. We, we met a couple, well, we met, we met him actually. She was having a baby in Canada. But we met him last November, and, no, September, September. And both of them work in China. And they had the same dream on the same night. So God said to both of them, we want you to go out to the Galoxy people. And they'd never heard the name before. So they shared the next morning that, wow, this is a bit miraculous. They both had the same dream on the same night. And mentioning the same people group. They found this people group in a, a very remote valley in the mountains <coughs> in northwest Sichuan province of China. There's only about 2,000 of them. God loves them, even though there's only 2,000 of them. They have their own culture and their own language. And so now this couple have, have begun to get to know the people in this remote valley and begun to share the gospel with them. And then the came last year and they, they had to come back home. She had to come home to have her baby. Um, and now they've gone back in March. And what he's done is he's set up a track business. So they have a visa platform in China. So he takes tracks up into the valleys of these mountains and uh, will share the gospel as well while he's there. Before the earthquake, the head man of one village said he wanted to get the whole village together so they could come and share this wonderful news with the whole village. And in the middle of, uh, in the middle of that area was a big lake called the Lake of Fear. 
and they want to become the lake of salvation. So this is this is just one people group, and two thousand people God loves, and Jesus died for, and He's sending the people out to reach them. And God wants to do that with every unreached people group that wants to pray. So that's the last thing. Pray for them. And then the last one. This is, this is, these are the people that we've imagined with. These are Anglo-Tibetans, this is a particular dialect of, of Tibetan, and it's just a very few Christians. Can you not hear me at all? There are very few Christians in this people group. So those three girls were, were three people who speak Anglo-Tibetan, and what they're doing now is they're prostrating themselves, the Tibetan Buddhists, so they're prostrating themselves because they're wanting to earn merit. And so they go through the most extraordinary ways of trying to earn merit. Um, and the more merit they earn, the more possibility is that when they are re- reincarnation is not quite the right word, but when they come, when they're reborn into a, a new life after they've died, it'll be a better one than the one they've just had. And the eventual object is to get to nirvana, which is a state of nothingness. Well, I don't want a state of nothingness. I want to go to heaven, be with Jesus myself. But, uh, but they don't know about him, you see. They don't know about him. So these, these people desperately need prayer. So there are whole areas of the Tibetan plateau where these people live that are completely untouched by the gospel. Just three people groups. If you want to find out more, just come and ask me and help yourself, Barbara, afterwards. Now, Barbara's got the West African experience. Um, she knows more about West Africa than we do. But, but please do ask us about any of these things that we talked about today. Jesus is coming back, but there's a job to be done first. And there's not one person in this church that don't, cannot be involved in that task. And it's exciting. It is really, really exciting. We have a new lease of life working today. I mean, we're both, we're both getting state pension, but who cares about that? We, we really do, we, we have been energised by what God has called us to do. And uh, we, we want to make a difference to this world uh, before we leave it. So we really want to encourage you, get involved, get behind Barbara, find out Barbara is key person here, they've got other missionaries as well, I think, haven't you? Get behind them, support them, love them, pray for them, but particularly pray for the people among whom they're working.